Um, so excited to be at camp with you guys next week. I uh, was just sitting by some of them. I'm like, man, I just, uh, yeah, I love you guys so much. So uh, when I first was asked to teach out of the book of Jonah, uh, I, I was excited. And then I started looking into it, and I started feeling like uh, I was having a hard time connecting with Jonah. Uh, tr- like, really, uh, I'm, not, I'm not disobedient in the way that you might think uh, someone would be disobedient. I never have. I've, like, I do, I really have this, uh, like, goody-two-shoeness about me. I want to follow rules, uh, but my, I, I disobey all the same. It just looks a lot different than running away or straight up rebelling. Uh, for me, if I was Jonah and someone said that, uh, or, or if God asked, for, asked me to do something, I think my response would be yes, a, like a really sincere yes. God, I, yes, I'll do it. And then I think that I might fall into apathy. I think I might, I think that instead of running to Tarshish, I would just run to the beach and just uh, God would come back like a month later and ask if I still had plans to go, and I would say, of course, God, uh, or I'd forget. Maybe I'd forget to go. Uh, I think that my disobedience a lot of times just looks like lack of follow-through. And so as we, as we jump into this story, uh, what is it for you? What's your, what does your uh, flavor of disobedience look like? Uh, because I, I think really the book of Jonah is trying to get us to ask these tough questions. It's a, it's a study. It reveals... First, it reveals God and who he is. God's scripture has a way of doing that. But then the book of Jonah also wants to reveal to us our own disobedience and, and what that looks like. It's kind of, you've seen this scene in the, in the spy movies where they're, they're after somebody and, and just when they think they have them, they're maybe looking out a window through a scope and then the laser beams on them, right? Uh, or it's kind of like, I found a couple of these memes. I have uh, one up here. Uh, it's kind of like this is what the book of Jonah does to us. You're looking suspiciously around. Who is this maniac? Uh, Jonah is such a maniac. And then you realize, oh, I'm Jonah, right? I'm the maniac in this story. There's, uh, there's another meme that I have. This is uh, this, the classic Spider-Man meme. Who, we're reading the book of Jonah, and then we realize, oh, I'm Jonah, um, and so as we jump in today, I want to just also set this story up for you, set the context up a little bit. I think context is important. Uh, I know that context is important, actually, because speaking of Spider-Man and speaking of throwing staff, other staff members under the bus, uh, Nick, our high school pastor, uh, he went to, this guy went to Spider-Man Far From Home uh, without ever seeing any other Marvel movie. Uh, <laughs> He went with me and my wife and our, our youth intern, Logan, and to his credit, he enjoyed it, uh, but, but how do you do that? Uh, how do you show up to a movie without seeing 19 to like 20 other movies with, with all this amazing context? Uh, there's like a scene with some people, Nick's like, who are those green guys? I'm like, dude, you're going to have to watch some more movies. So uh, that's, it's important to do this when we... It's important to do this when we read the Bible, to find out what, what context uh, things are in, where in the story it falls. Uh, and so we're going to spend some time uh, doing that today to see about our guy, Jonah. It's, uh, this, is, we, this is where our first Cahoots question comes in, uh, which is, uh, how many minor prophets are there anyway? So Jonah, it's a, it's a book of prophecy. How many minor prophets are there in the book of Jonah? So you got 
5, 8, 20, 12. What do you guys think? All right. Here we go. A lot of you guys got this right. There's 12. Uh, good work on that one. Um, also, bi biblical books aren't usually in chronological order. Just to give you a little bit of an idea of, of where this book falls, Jonah's no exception. This minor prophet book, it, is, it falls after David, after David and Solomon were king. And, and, it, and, it, and it happens um, before the people of Israel go into exile, before God's people, before they are exiled. So here we go. It happens in 760 BC, and, uh, and that's where we jump in. Uh, there's an evil king named Jeroboam. He's ruling over the people. He's a bad dude. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about him uh, later on as well, but let's just, let's jump into this. It's found in Jonah 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So here we have uh, five verses. And I uh, was talking to someone before this service. They mentioned five verses, uh, a whole sermon over five verses. How could that be? Well, a lot can change in five verses, right? A lot of decisions can be made in five verses or, or five years or five days or five minutes, right? Lives, you can head in the direction that God wants or you can head in the direction that he hasn't called us to. And Jonah, a prophet, chooses to, um, to not do that. He chooses to head in a different direction. Um, Jonah, uh, it, we know that this is a book of prophecy. Uh, prof, the, the minor prophets, they, they start with a certain phrase. The phrase is word of the Lord. Uh, if you flip the page to the next page, in your Bible, you'll see Micah. Micah. The book of Micah also starts with the word of the Lord. And then it talks about the words of the Lord that God had given Micah. And that's what you'd expect here. That's what you'd expect to happen in Jonah if you're reading this. Uh, you, you'd expect it to be all about uh, God's word to Jonah. Jonah would be delivering this, this word. But instead, we get a story. It's Jonah is different than Isaiah or Obadiah or Ezekiel or Zechariah, the first sentence is supposed to throw us off a little bit. It's supposed to shake us up. Um, we're supposed to get all these amazing prophecies, but instead we get a story. And the book of Jonah reads a little bit like Saturday Night Live or a comic book because there's these, these characters in the story who are supposed to behave a certain way. You expect a prophet to be a certain way. You, you expect the Ninevites, the, 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 the evil people in the story, to be evil. But as we're going to find out in the book of Jonah, it seems like no one behaves the way that you'd expect. It's a comic book because everything is over the top constantly. Everything's constantly over the top. Uh, there's, there's this word for huge. This, 
And it's said 15 times in just these short two pages. Everything in the story is huge. The storm is huge. The ship is huge. The, the, the fish is huge. The city is huge. Everything is crazy and extreme in the book of Jonah. The author's trying to tell us a tell, a tale. He's trying to tell us a tale. He wants to wrap us in. He wants to draw us in. And he wants us to look at this story about Jonah and say, look at that maniac. Jonah is a maniac. And then he wants us to go, oh, that maniac is, is me, right? He wants us to say, look at that guy, and then to realize it's us. If you're not expecting this kind of thing, you might miss it. But that's what's happening here in Jonah. God is lovingly throwing a stick of dynamite into our life to blow things up, to shake it up, to wake us up to how the ways that we disobey God. And so uh, with that being said, we're going to jump into this a little deeper. Uh, we have another Kahoot question for you. What does the name of Jonah mean anyway? What do you guys think? What does Jonah's name mean? Is it one who wrestles with God? Does the name mean hope? Does it mean dove? Does it mean faithful servant? What do you guys think? By the way, the, the faster you answer, I think the more points you get. Okay, here we go. The correct answer was dove. 13 of you got that right. Well done to those 13. Um, you, would ex you would not expect it to mean this, and that's part of the irony here. His name is meant dove. His father's name is truth. His father's name, Amittai, means truth. Jonah's name is supposed to mean that a prophet who delivers God's message gracefully and truthfully. Jonah doesn't live up to his name in the, in the slightest. And that should, that, that should catch you off guard. That should be when you hear Jonah's name and when you first read this, that's when the laugh track comes on. Faithful and graceful, that's funny, right? This guy is not about to be either of those things. And I just wonder, in our lives, how often is it that God places a certain calling over our lives and we just say no? He gives us a vision for our lives. He, he, maybe he places a name over us. My name means light, actually. I found out this week. We looked that up at CIY. My name means light, but sometimes I'm not a light. Right? What are, there's some, oftentimes we, we laugh at Jonah, but we're a lot like him. Right? We don't do these things that are called over us. So in this day, people would rely on prophets like, like Jonah. He'd already spoke for people once before. Uh, we know in the book of Kings. And, uh, and, and we find out Jonah's hometown. And so I have your next Cahoots question for you. What is Jonah's hometown anyway? What is the name of Jonah's hometown? I'd read them for you, but I might mess them up. You have to read them yourself. What's Jonah's hometown? I gave the answer away last service, and people still got it wrong. Can you believe that? All right, here we go. So, um, lots of you guys got that right. His hometown is Gath of Her, and uh, he, he prophesied to his own people, and he prophesied that Jeroboam, this king, who was a bad king, by the way, that he would expand Israel's territory. Uh, and Jeroboam's dad was also a bad king. He was also a bad king. He built a second temple. He put golden calves in it. 
And he, he uh, prophesied, Jonah one time had prophesied in favor of Jeroboam, in favor of Israel. And I learned a new word this week at CIY from our high schoolers. It's the word sus, right? <laughs> he, Jonah, for prophesying against a, an evil, prophesying in favor of an evil king, um, he, he, had, he had once preached for uh, Israel, but now he's being called to go and speak to the Ninevites. And going and speaking a message to the Ninevites would make him suspicious, right? He had once preached in favor of Israel expanding his territories, but now he's going to the Ninevites. He's, he would be sus. Our high schoolers, that means uh, suspect. His friends would think, Jonah, you once were prophesying in favor of Israel, and now you're going and you're speaking to the enemies. Uh, maybe for you, um, it's something like maybe you have some, you, you would like to follow God's call in your life. You'd like to follow his vision but you're afraid of what that might mean for your peers, what, what, how your peers might look at you if you were to obey God. Jonah, I think, is in this, in this boat. Um, he, he, and who are these enemies anyway that God's calling him to go and speak with? Who are the Assyrians? Uh, well, we know that Nineveh is capital of, of Assyria, and Assyria has wiped out 10 tribes of Israel. So they're, they're big-time arch enemies to the Israelites uh, we know that they're powerful. God says, go to this great city. We know that they're wicked. It says, its wickedness has come up before me. We've heard this before in scripture. God says this kind of thing about Sodom and Gomorrah. The Assyrians were known to be brutal for their war tactics. They had invented all kinds of uh, creative war machines. They, they invented the, 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 barbed, the barbed arrow. The they had catapults, they, siege machines, they, they invented these harnesses that would keep them on their horses and allow them to be the very first mounted archers. These guys were renowned for dominating and overcoming other nations. They would, they would wipe people out and torture people. Um, they were straight up bullies, these guys. Uh, archaeologists have recovered some pretty graphic images that, that are interesting and cool, but I can't show on Family Friendly Sundays. So, um, the point being, these guys are bad dudes, bad guys, and Jonah ran away. Um, he ran away, he ran away so far. Uh, here we go, we've got a map up here. He was supposed to go to Nineveh, instead he went all the way to Tarshish. Uh, not very close. Actually, it's, it's the last port before you go through the Straits of Gibraltar, it's the end of the known world. Uh, Jonah doesn't just flee, he doesn't just run away. He runs away as far as humanly possible. He runs, we call it in our day and age, Timbuktu. Jonah ran away to Timbuktu. And, uh, and, and, and this is different than any other prophets have behaved before. You see, when God gives, gives people uh, a mission in the, in the Bible, sometimes they contest God. They'll say things like, um, like Moses, God said, I want you to go and be my, my spokesperson for uh, Israel and Moses said, well, I'm not good with speech. So they try to contest God. Or Jeremiah says, but I'm just a child. I'm just a kid. Uh, but Jonah just bolts, right? So uh, why do you guys think that Jonah would bolt? That's our next Kahoot question. Why would Jonah do this? Why would he just straight up run away? Was he afraid, Right? Uh, he didn't want the people to follow God. Maybe he just needed a good vacation. Um, 
Did he get lost? Did he, did he somehow get lost, go the wrong direction? What do you guys think? Go ahead and, and answer, answer in. All right. We got um, 98 saying he was afraid. 55, you guys got it correct. He didn't want the people to follow God. To, to your credit, the people, 98 people that said that he did it because he was afraid, to your, to your credit, that's what you'd expect when you read the story. That's what you'd expect. They, they are kind of scary people, and that may have been a piece, but Jonah actually says in chapter 4, verse 1, why he runs away. We have that up here. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, to Jonah, it seemed very wrong. He became angry, right? He prayed to the Lord. Is this what, I, he, he talks about, God, I knew, I knew that you would be compassionate and gracious with with the Ninevites. God, he, he runs away because he know that, knows that Yahweh uh, wants a happy enemy for his enemies, or he, he wants a happy ending for his enemies. Yahweh wants to work in the live, lives of the Ninevites, and, and Jonah knows that, and he doesn't want that to happen, so he bolts. As I mentioned before, he has a plan for his career, and being suspect among his own people isn't part of that plan. Uh, this, is, this whole story is really about uh, looking at the psychology the, and the nature of disobedience. Uh, God is commanding him to go to preach to Nineveh, and this story could have been really different, you guys. God could have just gone to Nineveh himself. God could have, could have just spoken over Nineveh and said, follow me, and gotten them to follow him himself, but I think there's something really awesome which is that God wants to invite us into that story. He wants, he wants to invite us into the story of speaking into the lives of others. He wants us to be a part of this grander story. He wants to invite us in. He's not a God that wants to execute all of this on his own. He has a bigger vision for our lives than sometimes we have even for our own lives. He chooses to work through his people, through you and I. God wants to use you in his story. But guess what? Jonah uh, just wasn't interested. Like so many of us, he had something, God had something bigger than he had ever dreamt of, a bigger vision and purpose for his life. He just didn't want to do it. We've all been in this, in this boat, pun, pun intended, right? We've all been in the same boat. Um, us and God have different visions of what our life should look like. We've got, we've got plans. We've made plans for our lives. There's a bunch of things that, that we, we're doing that we think are life. There's a bunch of things in our lives that we think lead to life that we're doing but actually aren't life at all. And we have to decide if we're going to settle for our vision for our lives, our plan for our lives, or God's bigger, grander vision that he wants to invite us into. Whatever your motive is, maybe it's disobedience, uh, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's just straight up disobedience, or maybe it's just uh, you, you grow a little apathetic, whatever it might be, isn't it kind of silly that we tell the God of the universe what we ought to do, the God who created us. We tell our creator what our plans are for ourselves. Um, and this has been happening since the beginning of time. We know that Eden, uh, in the Garden of Eden, we know that e Adam and Eve did this. God had a vision for their life, a plan, and they did not follow their own, their, they, instead of following God's vision for their life, they followed their own vision. But Christ came, he became the new Adam, and he did what Adam and Eve couldn't do. Adam and Eve fell because they were following their own vision, but Christ conquered 
because he was following God's vision for his life. Satan tried to tempt him. He tried to trip him up in the desert. And, uh, and he tried to, to get him to follow a vision that, that Satan had for his life. Uh, he tried to get him to buy into a new vision. And Christ res- resisted all three times. And Eve, she gave in all three times. She, she wanted to follow an alternative vision than the vision that God had set up for her. One of, as, as we head into application, one of the important things to understand is that uh, we know this about sin. We know this about disobedience. It doesn't just affect us. We are not on an island when it comes to our relationship with God. For Adam and Eve and for Jonah, their decisions of disobedience have impacted us. Adam and Eve have directly impacted us. And Jonah's decisions to disobey impacted the Ninevites, could have impacted them, um, could have impacted them greatly had God not, had his story not be finished. But it for sure, at minimum, really impacted the sailors. You think the sailors wanted to have a storm roll in? I don't think so. Um, it can be scary to follow God. Uh, we tend to think it's just about ourselves, but, but it affects more than just us. And families in the room, uh, you know this to be true. Decisions of disobedience can affect Uh, You think it's just about you, but it can affect your spouse. It can affect your kids. It can affect your parents. Our decisions of disobedience don't just affect us and God. When we walk in disobedience, we can hurt people. We can confuse them. We can lead them astray. Galatians 6, 7 says this. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, right? That, that, that when we, when we disobey, we reap uh, the consequences of this. It affects people. And praise God, uh, our obedience also affects people. Not just our, our disobedience doesn't just affect people. Our obedience affects people as well. Uh, you know someone like this in your life, how their obedience has impacted you greatly. The, the fact that they have decided to walk hand in hand with God and his plan for their life has impacted you. Uh, I think of... Uh, Derek Voorhees and his wife Nell, a couple that walked me and my wife through a lot of our early marriage, and they still walk through a lot of life with us. Uh, they're college professors and mentors. Um, their obedience to Christ has impacted us eternally. And I would say the same is also true. I am continually um, blessed by our pastors on staff here. True, true um, followers of Christ, their way of life impacts me uh, in, in so many ways. Direct, when I was writing this message, Pastor Paul and and Bethany, you guys came into my mind. Thank you for your obedience to Christ. Uh, The Bible says that people like you, that that people like you have beautiful feet. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Um, isn't Isn't it amazing that we get to play a part and sanctifying and edifying and building up one another through our obedience. What a gift. Uh, we, we've got to also give up our vision for, for our lives, right? Give up our vision. Next point of application, give up our vision for our lives and lean into God's vision for our lives. There's things for each of us that we, that we know we need to change. There's, there's things where maybe you're not, maybe your whole life isn't running, it's not just you running away from God and fleeing to Tarshish, but you know that there are spots in your life where you are running and fleeing. 
What are the things that are causing you to, to bolt for Tarshish? Um, you see, Jonah thinks he's running, running for his life, but he's actually running from life to the fullest. I think in these moments when we choose to run to Tarshish, we are running away from life to the fullest. This grand story that God wants to invite us into and, and also, I'd like to just, for you to consider, we talked about this a little bit at CIY, but, but where, is, where do you run in those times? What, where is your Tarshish? Where, where do you run from God? Where do you run to? What are the things that you run to? Um, we, see, we see Christ, um, we, we do mess up, we disobey all the time, but we know that, that Christ came um, he was fully hu- the, the full human that none of us will ever be, none of us ever could be, and he absorbed the weight of all of our terrible and horrible and stupid decisions. When Jesus came, there is a, he wanted to put to death your vision for your life, whatever vision you had, and he wanted to, to give us the opportunity to enter into God's story. And God's story, God's vision for us, it's so good, it's so good, he he only has good things in mind for us. I think of, of, um, of toddlers, right? Parents have these, these amazing, they have, these, 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 they have a good plan for their children. They love their children. And so they tell them what, what they should do sometimes. They guide their vision a little bit. Um, and sometimes toddlers don't see it as that. They don't see the good plan that you have for them. They know that they want to get across the street to pet the dog. They don't realize that there's racing traffic in between. Um, the same is true for us. Our God in heaven wants good things for us. We sometimes just don't understand and see this full picture. Could it be that your vision for your life is just too small? The plan that you've had for your life walking in the doors this morning is just a little bit too small. I'd ask this week that you begin giving those, those areas that you flee um, to God. Um, start living into the life that he called us to be. Maybe it's spending, spending a little less money on yourself. Maybe it's uh, reaching out to your neighbor on the weekend, on a Saturday that you had planned um, for your, yourself for rest. There's a, there's a competition um, for the vision of the good life. Our vision and God's, which are we going to lean into? Um, I used to think that in the Bible that there's an asterisk by certain things, certain commandments, right? Where do you, for me, a lot of, a lot of my life, it's been about forgiveness, the Bible talks a lot about forgiving, and I would always insert an asterisk after the word forgiveness, not like physically write it in, but in my mind, I would think you could flip to the back of the Bible, and underneath the asterisk, it would say, not for Luke, right? For me, it was always forgive other people, and I always made an excuse. God would understand why I couldn't forgive this person. Where are you placing an asterisk? Where are you wishing that God made, made, a, uh, made, an, made a, you know what I'm saying, a, uh, Exception. Yes. Thank you, Dave. Where are you wishing that God would make an exception for you? Would you give that over to him? Lastly, I would say we have a God of second chances. No matter how many times you've been running, no matter how much you've disobeyed, God is not finished with you yet. And God's not finished with Jonah yet. We're going to learn more about what he has in store for him um, as God, pursue, he wants to pursue you and, and, and lead you into this. We just left the week and the theme of the week for CIY was to be continued. God is not done writing your story yet. No matter how much you've disobeyed, your story is to be continued. If you are still breathing in this room, God is not done with you. 
Would we, as a church, would we be a church that, that lives to the full vision that God's given us? I think we are in so many ways already. But what would it look like if we were a people that fully obeyed God? No questions asked. What would that mean for our church? Because we, we're not an island either, right? Sometimes we like to think our level of obedience just so affects the people to the left and to the right in this room. But our obedience to God impacts our community. It impacts our city. I think it has the potential, the full potential to impact our world as we, as we pursue things overseas. God, how could our obedience impact our world differently? Um, I'm going to pray for us. Um, would you, would, can we do that? Can we pray? Um, just that God would, would help us to seek his face, seek his vision a little more. God, I want to thank you for this opportunity uh, to dive into your scripture. God, we pray uh, that, that you would lead us into obedience. That, God, that when our own strength is failing, we don't want to obey. God, would you just give us that extra dose that we need, the extra, the extra push, the courage to follow you, no matter what it means to the people uh, no matter what it looks like, the fears that we have about what other people might think, God, would you help us to obey um, you, even with the things that we least want to obey you in? Um, and God, would you help us as a church be, be the kind of church that, that walks in such an obedience that it impacts our community? Um, God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for this morning. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.